Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. My favorite meal that you can get right now is the chili chili bang bang chicken. Go to the link in the description to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you back to episode number 73, where today we are actually talking about two very fundamental mathematical objects. And one actually, and they're basically the same thing, actually. They're basically one they're, mathematical object. No, they're not. <laughs> I mean, one can be used to... Anyways, let me explain it. What we're talking about today sequences and series now this was actually um, requested by one of you guys so here we have one of those requested episodes as we keep saying you know go ahead we love those requests because I mean that's you know kind of what builds this up as always and yeah sequences and series for sure for sure for sure Um, this is like sequences and series is one of the things that uh, I know I I mean I, I can't speak for everybody but in high school, we literally spent like a week on sequences and series. Very low and amount so of time. And so when I got to university, it was nice to actually get like real exposition into into the topic and actually learn like some theorems and some some cool things that you can actually do with mm-hmm. sequences and series. Actually, kind of one of my favorite uh, units that we did. What about what about you? Did you like? Did you? Oh, enjoy the, that? you you thought you found sequences one. Yeah, of it. yeah. To be honest, I really enjoyed um, the latter half of the series um, section of it. So when we get into today's episode, we're gonna kind of differentiate between these two terms. If you haven't heard of them before, and if you have, then you will know a little bit about series, and you may know some famous series. And in the end of our particular class, we had some really nice. Or at least the way they taught it, I really enjoyed learning about those series and seeing, you know, where they can happen and apply in real life, like Taylor series, Power series, stuff like okay, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those are the examples that I wanted to give. But yeah, more on the series side. But um, not one of my. Okay, I don't want to say no. I mean, all <laughs> yeah. of them, I enjoyed them. Yeah. But uh, not favorite. But I like it. I like it because it's another way of making a scenario into a discrete scenario so a lot a lot of sequences and series actually revolves around discrete mathematics we were thinking about the type of episode that was going to happen today so sequences and series are basically forms of discrete mathematics and discrete mathematics is synonymous with finite mathematics now yes there are some infinite series and stuff like that i know but the main essence of a lot of this applies in discrete mathematics right and a lot of it and in discrete mathematics is where we really see the connection between the real world and math right because a lot of in in continuous functions and a lot of those things are like okay well is it really this not really you know stuff like that like Wait, what more do you examples. Mean by that? well when it comes to like a continuous function for example like i'm just trying to think when you have discrete you know numbers discrete variables you have a better understanding of it it's a smaller subset and there's more things you can do with it. But right? the thing is, yeah. um, you said that like continuous math is more connected to the real world, but no, I, I said there's... discrete math. Oh, is well, I think I think the they're world. both equally applicable, I mean, okay, right? Because there are always situations where you uh, where you need to use one over the other, or you know, vice versa. No, that's right. That 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 is that does hold point for sure. Because continuous math, I shouldn't really say that, but I just wanted to point out the discrete mathematics is really cool and okay maybe not more applicable but is applicable mm-hmm. to the real world okay. and we're going to talk a little bit about that but i also i also don't understand 
when you say it's synonymous to finite math yeah like why why is it finite what do you mean because like sequences are like infinite right they just they range over the natural numbers but still infinite what makes it finite so usually when we're dealing with uh i guess that's also true but usually when we're dealing with discrete mathematics i was um finite finite math and discrete math are very similar in the sense that you know the the math that applies to both of them you you like you can use them in both scenarios mm. is what i'm trying to say now that's what i was saying even when i was giving those examples of the series right like for example like you know taylor series power like a lot of them are infinite series so i know it kind of kind of goes against the whole finite thing that i was trying to say but i do i do know for a fact that somewhere there is a connection between discrete and finite math and just that connection i just wanted to let people know about the fact that that connection exists oh wait right I actually have the Wikipedia page open here. It says that Go for it. Um it's also called finite math because okay. sometimes it's applied like in some fields of discrete math it deals with finite sets. And so that's Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. So finite, okay. So discrete is not synonymous, but finite is like a part of discrete mathematics. That would that would make a little more sense. Yeah, and I guess I can yeah. mention just for the listeners out there like discrete math, like today we're going we're to be talking about sequences and series, as you know, but discrete math deals with objects like the integers, graphs, statements in logic, and such things like that, you know, that are that mm -hmm. are not continuous, essentially, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, before we get into yes sequences and series, let's get it. Let's news. hit them with a little bit of news. Let's hit so first of all, Thank you so much, everybody, for 186,000 downloads in total. Wow. Also, one other piece of news. I actually have two exciting pieces of news. First off, we literally got, like this week, we got 140 subscribers in one week on YouTube, which is, which is nice. And, which is very and nice, we have 1.14 nice. yeah, subscribers. <laughs> we have 1,140. So 40, exactly. That's pretty so, cool. Like the 140 is a big number for the yeah. number of subscribers that we have. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So keep subscribing to the YouTube if you <laughs> haven't already. Yep. Um, other than that, here's something that was pretty cool to see. So I haven't checked Google Play statistics since like five months ago and like five months ago i checked google play and we'd have like 10 followers so i was like okay i don't really have to like check this anymore because we've been doing the podcast for almost a year and we have 10 mm -hmm. followers like whatever but i got an email from google play a couple of days ago so i was like i i'll just go check the statistics and <laughs> i discovered that we have two thousand followers on google play so that's cool. <laughs> that's you. cool, I thank guess. You that's to, cool. That's really cool. Yeah, thank you to everybody that's been listening on Google Play. We mm -hmm. will no longer be ignoring you guys. But uh, other than Google Play, we have hit 12,000 <laughs> followers on Spotify. So thank you once again. I don't think we posted about it, but we we hit 12,000. So yeah. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, those thousand milestones are pretty impressive. I mean, I guess now we're going for the, now we're now let's go for the 5,000 milestones. So now 15 is where we're at and then maybe 20, you know, 20. Yeah. So I guess, I guess maybe we can make those popular instead of the one, Yeah. you know, now that you guys are subscribing, following. So awesome, obviously, as all, as, as always, you know, continue doing that, continue liking that video for the algorithm, commenting, you know, trying to get that, that algorithm is, is the reason we're here, right? <laughs> so moving on to the other segment. The comment of the week. Now, it's very simple. If you must be wondering to yourself, how do I become the comment of the week? Well, it's very simple. Just comment on this week's episode. That's it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And then it's just kind of like a random pick that Parker and I do, whoever's up. And that's the comment of the week. So this week, we have Grat. Now, that's his YouTube name. So again, not sure of his whole name, actually. But Grat says... Hey guys, I'm a sophomore at University of Alabama studying aerospace engineering, and this podcast has allowed me to learn so much more about complicated physics, such as quantum mechanics, that I cannot thank y'all enough. The discussion is always so entertaining, so educational, that I believe you guys are doing a perfect job. 
Keep up the great work, and I cannot wait until next week's podcast. Sweet. So thank you, Grat, for that wonderful comment. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, well, comment of the week. What's uh, what's sophomore? Is it second? So it's freshman, freshman sophomore, sophomore, junior, okay, senior. Yeah. So second year. For sure. Yeah, that would be second awesome. year. Yep. So, Let's get into uh, it. Let's okay. get into Let's go. Boom. sequences. So a sequence. Essentially, the definition of a sequence is very loose. It's, you know... It's it's just a set of numbers, essentially. That has some pattern to it. Not some necessarily. Kind of no, not not even. Not even. Well, usually sequences. Well, yeah, because every sequence can be written in terms of. Okay, so I want to get into one important thing before we get into this because we're talking about this. So a sequence you were saying is basically a list of numbers. Now. You may be thinking, a list of numbers. Where have I heard these guys say that before? Sets. But sets also come in very important somewhere in a function. Sets are literally how we define functions. What functions do is they take sets and they mount and they're basically they change it up. So here's what I wanted to say about, about this whole thing. So we have a sequence that is basically a set of numbers. Now, the reason why I was saying that it has to have some order because every sequence can be written as a function of n. That's not true. Is was is that not true? I thought that no. was true. Every sequence cannot be written as a function of the number. No, the it's element not of the true. Sequence? Like just a general sequence can literally be a list of a random just numbers. random numbers just yeah. like a set basically yeah. just a set yeah literally um okay. but you know just like functions functions don't have to be nice they just have to map no but numbers. they have but they have some but it's a function of x is what i'm trying no, to say no, so there's some even. relationship between the variables no but ray think so about is it. there think yeah. about it for one second remember how you can define a function as like it's equal to one on the rational numbers, equal to zero. Yeah. Like you can define a function with words. You can also define a function by literally one by one list, like listing every, or sorry, associating every real number with another real number. And that will also be a function. The same thing with sequences. You can just associate every natural number to another number randomly, and it'll still count as a sequence. It okay. doesn't have to follow any pattern. But, of course, you know, we're, those aren't really useful, right? So the sequences that we look at are sequences, like, mm -hmm. you know, that are associated to functions or that are defined like the Fibonacci sequence, mm -hmm. things like that. But, well, well, before we really get, because we've defined kind of, okay, a sequence is a set of numbers, but let's try to maybe differentiate a little bit between the sequence and the function, right? Mm -hmm. Because the function and like, because again, when, when we just say set of numbers, it can be taken as a, but it's not exactly, right? So like a, the, the, the main difference, well, is that a function takes in a variable and it spits out something. So it has a relationship between X and Y, which are our two variables, right? And it has multiple points. In this case, I'm just talking about a 2D function. So just one input, one output, very simple, right? Sorry? That's a one-dimensional. Well, yeah, one, but I'm trying to say like two, gra like graph. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So like one input, one output kind of function. So it's super simple and it's kind of like pairs almost, right? So it's like one number associated with something else. And in a sequence, again, we're talking about the interesting ones. So the ones that can actually be written as of. So when we say that the main difference is what, so, okay, let me try. Let me, I'm just trying to think of it and a nice way to say it. We say a function of x and x and y are related. When we do a sequence, it's a function of the of the of the element. You know, how am I trying to say this? Like of where it is in the sequence, right? So every sequence, let's say it's 1 to 10, every element of that sequence will have a number. So the second so 2 is the second term of the sequence. 8 is the eighth term of the sequence. So that number that I'm referring to is n. Right? So mm -hmm. Seven is the seventh term. Ten is the tenth term of the so sequence. So like the cardinality or is that what it's called? Is that what it's called? I have forgotten like the, the, this a little the bit. The order of which. Yeah, order, is... obvious. But I'm saying like that N, again, I'm kind of forgetting what that, like a, like a, 
nice way to say it if it's already defined oh, the technically. Indice? Index, the index of the sequence would be a nice way to uh, define it. Yes. So the position of that, of that. I don't know why you're why you're saying it so complicated though. Like the reason I'm okay. I think I did overcomplicate it, but the point that I was trying to make is that a function is a function of the variable, while a sequence is a function of the index. So that's just that differentiation that I wanted to put out because it's very similar, right? Because if you think about it, a sequence and a function are basically the same thing because you can write a formula, like an equation for a sequence, right? For the nth term of the sequence. And in the same way, you can write a formula for a function. So a Y term that correlates with some given X. So I just wanted to point out the fact that they're so similar, the, the function and the sequence, but they're also different because technically they are depending on different values, right? I just want to kind of bring that similarity and that distinguishing between the sequence and the function. The, I don't mean to like rag on your explanation, but I really don't like how you said it. <laughs> you don't like the function uh, no. indices definition? No, let, so, me, let me hear how you would do it. Well, how I would say... I would be like, yeah. Hey, well, a function, you know, just like a simple one-dimensional function, is defined over the real numbers, and a sequence is defined over the natural numbers. That's it. So if you graph a function, you know, it's like a nice function. It's smooth and whatever. And when you graph a sequence, it's just like dots that appear over the natural. Yeah, numbers. but you can also have a discrete function. You can also have a piecewise function. You know, stuff like that. Like yeah, I I guess so. Depending on your on your uh, domain and all that so stuff. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm just trying to, because because you're talking about the general function definition. So yeah, obviously they're different because a function can be continuous, right? And, and a sequence simply inherently cannot. So there's that number one difference, of course, between them. But I'm talking about a discrete function versus something like a discrete. So like, I'm just trying to, again, pull out the similarities and the differences, right? Just to understand, well, what is the relationship between these two things? Sure. Right? Um but yeah, sequences obviously are not <laughs> continuous. They they range yeah. over the natural numbers, which means it's like, okay, the first element is when you plug in one. Or sometimes you, you can start with the first element is when you plug in zero. But it, it's kind of like, um, tra not tradition. What's the word I'm looking for? Like the norm, I guess. The norm is to usually start at zero. But if, you're, if your sequence is, for example, like 1 over n, then you're going to start n at 1 and then to infinity, for example. And that's just because, you know, obviously you can't divide by 0. Uh, mm -hmm. The thing about sequences is that they have certain properties that can be analyzed. First property is the boundedness. Okay, so since sequences start at some point, right, whether it, it's one or zero or anything, uh, that, let's say your, your sequence is strictly increasing. It's always increasing. That means the lowest bound that it, or the lowest value that your sequence will ever hit is the very first element, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do we call them mm -hmm. elements? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, element of the sequence, yeah. Yeah, so the the... That's the first thing. It, it, it's, it could be bounded below or above. Um, but one thing that's really important is the monotonicity. So mm. monotonic means that it's either strictly increasing, strictly decreasing, or non-increasing, non-decreasing. So Maybe explain the that. difference yeah. between those terms. Yeah. So if, if a sequence is increasing then the next term, like every next term, has to be bigger than the last. If a function is non-decreasing, it means that the, the values can't get smaller. And there is a difference. The only difference is that when a function is non-decreasing, you can have like one number be one, and the next one is also one. But then it can go to like two and then two again and two again. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it just can't go down. It can stay the same. It can go up, but it can't go down. And it's the exact opposite for decreasing or non 
increasing, but there's still that little difference there. So that's like if your if your sequence has that property, that it's one of those four things, then it's monotonic. And so we have last two terms that we have to introduce is mm-hmm. uh, the convergence. Okay, so a uh, sequence can either converge or diverge. It's a big one. This means that if you look at the behavior of your sequence as the terms go to infinity or the numbers that you plug in go to infinity, um, does it tend to a single value or does it alternate? Like, does it oscillate? Does it go to infinity? Does it go to minus infinity or anything like that? So if the limit does exist and it equals some real number, then it is convergent. If your sequence oscillates or blows up to infinity or minus infinity, then it diverges. And so those are pretty much like the big, the big properties mm-hmm. of sequences that you so study. Like, yeah. Maybe it's like some common examples. Right. So like for a diverging is easiest as a sine or a cosine, like a trigonometric function or like a trigonometric sequence. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that would be continuously oscillating between values of one and negative one. Right. Provided there's no stretch squeeze factor. It's basically just oscillating between those values. And no matter how far we go into the sequence, we're never really going to find something that is converging towards. Right. And this is a cool property. Now, this is maybe where my function definition might help. A property of sequences is actually comparing them to a function. So let's say, let me try and like maybe break this down even easier for people that maybe didn't understand that full explanation just to make it super simple. So like an example of a function can be f of x equals one over x, right? That's basically where you put in an x and it will spit out an f value, like a y value basically, one over whatever that was. Now with a sequence, it's the exact same thing. In this case, instead of x, it'll be n, where n represents, again, just variables, dummy variables, doesn't really matter. It's just so we can understand, but n represents the index of the sequence. So in this case, f of n would be 1 over n. So I've just compared that a function, 1 over x, and a sequence, 1 over n, can be directly compared. So talking about convergence and divergence and all this good stuff, a property of these sequences is obviously there is a mathematical statement behind it that I'm not going to get into just a very loose way of describing it. But if a sequence or not if a sequence, but the formula of that sequence, put it into a function, basically have the same function as that sequence, take the limit of the function as X approaches infinity, and that will be the limit of your sequence. And this would apply if it diverges, if it converges, or if it approaches a singular number. The theorem is actually only if it approaches a singular number, because I believe if it diverges, there can be some other things that happen, but this Mm. is basically the formal way of saying it. I think you're thinking about the series, like the the theorem about the series, not the sequence, because the sequence, you can take a limit of a sequence. You don't have to make it a function, right? You can just take the limit of a sub n, you know what I mean? Well, but we were talking about sequences converging and diverging. So I'm talking about taking that limit of the sequence. So if you don't know if it's converging or diverging. But why do you have to make it a function though? Why can't you just take the limit? Because you don't, what do you mean? No, I'm saying that's we, that's exactly what we do though, right? What do we do? We make it into a function is what we exactly do. Because when we write down the formula of the sequence and we take the limit as n approaches infinity, what is that? But you can take a limit of the sequence though. Yeah, but that's what I'm trying to say again. I'm just trying to make the comparison again. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to explain. I'm just trying to make the comparison between functions and sequences. And the fact that they're so similar is all I'm trying to say. Oh, I guess. So the same limit that you take with a a sequence is the same limit that you take with a function. Okay. And yes, this this applies in sequences, but this was the theorem that I was reading. I can read it out directly. Given Given a sequence an, if we have a function f of x such that f of n equals an, and limit as x approaches infinity of f of x equals l, then the limit as n approaches okay. infinity of a n equals l, which is very yeah, straightforward. It's very straightforward. My only a question very, is very why? Obvious. <laughs> like why? No, very, very obvious statement. I just wanted to make it out so that, again, people are just more used okay. to the idea of functions and sequences being synonymous, right? 
I just yeah. wanted to pull that up Related because you were talking to about because yeah to each other because you were talking about the whole uh, okay convergence and stuff like yeah, that yeah. yeah. So we have the monotonic convergence theorem, which if you th- if you take like two seconds to think about what it says, it's very obvious, very very obvious. I, I love how we say that because we already know it, but there's so many people listening. No, no. They're like, yo, this is just not obvious. No, but <laughs> if you just take two seconds, you, you'll okay, be like, okay, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see okay. the exp- let's hear it. So if your sequence is monotonic and bounded, then it converges. Okay. So let's just take two seconds here to think about it. So bounded inherently means you know bounded above and below meaning that there are definitely two values within which your sequence stays okay second thing it's monotonic or actually sorry in the monotonic convergence theorem it says your sequence has to be eventually monotonic this just means that there is a point at which, you know, every single uh, number past that point is strictly decreasing, strictly increasing, or Mm -hmm. non-increasing or non-decreasing, okay? But remember, you still have that bounded property, which means that it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. what happens before that point where it's monotonic, because you still know that it's bounded. But, boom, you know it's either strictly increasing, but it's still bounded, which means that you know, it kind of looks like uh, one of those 1 over x situations where, you know, every value keeps going down, getting closer and closer to that lower bound or upper bound. It could be flipped, but um, mm-hmm. it, it has to continue to decrease because, you know, it's monotonic. But you also know that it's bounded, which means that, it, you know, it gets closer and closer to one value, meaning that it converges. Boom. Monotonic M- convergence theorem. T. See very useful. Another very oh, useful, by the way. Very yeah. useful. Very useful. Another another kind of consequence of that is well the other way around, right? If it's monotonic and non-bounded, like if it's not bounded above. So, for example, let's say it's monotonic. So, like let's say it's eventually increasing, mm-hmm. and it's not bounded above, or it's eventually decreasing and it's not bounded below. In both of those scenarios, this limit will go to infinity. Right. So it basically diverges. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there's no bound. So, again, I totally understand what you mean once you explain it, because, again, it's very obvious once you you're just like, oh, yeah, well, it doesn't have a bound on the top and it's always increasing. So obviously it's going to go to infinity. Right. Mm -hmm. So that could be like an obvious thing of the MTC. Right. Which is a very popular. it's, It's basically like a way to test for convergence. Right. A lot of a lot of what we do in uh, sequences and series is ways to test said sequence said series and i think in series is really where they're all the crazy tests right all the, yeah. all that all those crazy tests are in the series and we're going to get to that but again what will this allow us to do this will allow us again to to basically to to conclude if this thing converges or not and if it converges big advantages very very big advantages let me explain so properties of converging sequences are well almost i think yeah well they are almost identical to that of just variables so like limit as the sequence goes to infinity of a plus b where a and b are two sequences you can just take them separately you can add the limit separately if they're converging linear and linear well they're linear they're the there's the multiplication uh rule there are all of these rules that apply Mm -hmm. if they are convergent so again the point of all of this is basically to test for convergence and then once we have that, we can make a conclusion based on another sequence or adding another sequence and stuff like that, right? So there are a lot of advantages. And again, because of the relationship between sequences and all these things, you can even apply rules that apply to functions on sequences, like the squeeze theorem, for example, right? So just like different things, again, just applying onto these, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So if... You had to have something to say? I think I think what you said a little bit earlier was for series. Like when oh, you say when you say you say? can add them together because if you have two sequences, you can always add two sequences together. This it doesn't have to be convergent or anything, right? 
But if you want to add two series together, then they have to be convergent. Or if you want to multiply a series by a, a constant, then it has to be convergent for it to actually mean anything, right? Um, so not exactly. Because if they're non-convergent sequences, you can't add them. Why? Because what they're adding is not the sequence itself. They're okay. So the property is what the limit of the sequence. I probably I don't know if I okay. Yeah, that. you didn't say that. Yes, I didn't say that. <laughs> no. Sorry. The problem. This whole property is what the limit of all of these sequences. Yeah. So the limit of the addition of two of of. So basically, the again, when I say limit, I'm basically saying what is that converging number? What is it converging to? So limit of as n approaches infinity of a plus b can be split up into limit as n approaches infinity of a plus limit as n approaches infinity of b provided a and b are convergent sequences. And this applies for multiplication. This applies for division, power, all of them. So again, it's just a fancy, helpful way to kind of provide these two um, sequences together, right? So that's why, again, just again, honing in on the importance of convergence is basically where I'm getting, right? Mm -hmm. That's basically the point of this. Mm -hmm. Anything with sequences? Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about the big theorem. Because, oh, yes, yes, yes. The, talk about that first. Yeah, the big theorem is used in order to tell if a sequence converges or diverges just at a glance. Glance. Just at a glance. It's, very, it's a very nice theorem, okay? And so this theorem uh, uh, is used uh, for in the limit when you're looking at very, very large n that you're plugging into the function. And... Um, you know, this is, when we talk about sequences, the only thing we're actually doing is looking, testing for convergence, looking at limits and things like that. So it mm -hmm. makes sense that, you know, this theorem is useful because it only matters in the limit as n goes to infinity. So here's a theorem. So the natural log of n is much smaller than n to the power of a constant which is much smaller than a constant to the power of n, which is much smaller than n factorial, which is much smaller than n to the power of n. Okay, now why is this useful? Okay, this is useful because let's say your, let's take an easy example. Let's say your sequence is the natural log of n divided by n factorial. Now by the big theorem, n factorial is much, much, much bigger than the natural log of n, which means that you already know that in the limit, it goes to zero. Um, but you can obviously have very, very complicated sequences with lots and lots of terms and all that stuff. And you can actually use the big theorem to reduce that complicatedness to something much simpler. And then you could easily tell, well, okay, boom. It converges or it diverges. For example, let's say you have like a, a whole mix of a bunch of factorial terms, a whole bunch of like powers and all that stuff. You can actually just replace terms so that they cancel out on purpose. For example, or actually this has to do, this has a lot to do with, um, with uh, what we're going to talk about in series. But let's say you have like, uh, the natural log of n times n factorial divided by, uh, wait, this is actually not a good idea. <laughs> this is not a good idea. <laughs> On the spot, you're trying to think about no, how it's no, going to work. No, it's, it's not about thinking about the example. It's the fact that I would need like a piece of paper to write it to down actually so, do it. so people can actually see. Like imagining this in your head is not a good idea. But... But I think I think get people the get the idea yeah, of what you're trying idea. to say, though. You, if you know that something yeah. is much bigger than something else, then you can simplify things down so that in the end you can say, okay, you have something that's really big, so it diverges. Or it becomes very, very small, so it converges. Things like that. Mm -hmm. That's basically the big, right? And again, another way of testing for convergence, right? Mm -hmm. Just seeing about, uh, like, testing the main property of sequences that we're trying to see. So before we move on a series, 
I wanted to talk about one particular sequence that's pretty cool. The Fibonacci sequence. Now, the Fibonacci sequence is a very, very popular one where it basically relates the addition of the two previous numbers to the next one, right? So what does that mean? It starts with zero. The first Fibonacci number is zero, and the second Fibonacci is one. And all preceding Fibonacci numbers are, it's, it's, it's a formula, it's a sequence. Succeeding. It's a succeeding, it's, yeah. Basically, it's, there's not a constant linear gap between each, each, uh, each two Term, uh, each two numbers, each two elements of the sequence. So it's basically just numbers. And what's happening is first two elements are zero and one. And this is the formula for the sequence. Fn equals Fn minus one plus Fn minus two. Let me explain. So I already said that F1 and F2 are zero and one, right? Like our first Fibonacci is zero, second one is one. That's set in stone. And then we're starting from there. So the next Fibonacci number given by this formula is basically one plus zero. So we have one. Next. One plus one. We have two. Next. Two plus one. We have three. You, you, you kind of see where this is going? So the whole idea of the Fibonacci sequence is basically just adding these two successive numbers before and seeing what we get as the next term. Now, to an average individual, and actually me myself as well, when I originally... <clears throat> read on this but I'm like why what's so what's so cool in these numbers well quite a few things actually well there are a lot of cool properties of it the very first thing is that a lot of these numbers are seen everywhere that means like in algebra and engineering and mathematics when we're dealing with you know building things artistry a lot of it we see these numbers now, again, concrete examples are different, but I'm going to be we're going to be talking a little bit about it. And I want to get into where it can get really cool. But again, the whole point of the Fibonacci sequence is that there is this sequence that holds again, it's just a random sequence. It's just one type of sequence. But why is it important? Well, two things, actually many things. The first thing is that it converges to the golden ratio. Now, the golden ratio, may, people may have heard of that term, may have heard of that number, 1.618, right? Right? Something like that. Right? 1.618, right? Wait, I'm forgetting. I think, I don't know. Some number, basically. <laughs> some number. And the property of the actually, idea. Wait, hold on. One, one little detail. It's actually the ratio of the Fibonacci number over the previous one goes to the golden ratio, not the actual. That limit number. approaches yeah. it. But you just said no, the no, sequence but, goes no, no. to the. It does, though. It does. The Fibonacci sequence converges to phi, which is the golden ratio. Well, the ratio converges to phi. The Fibonacci sequence goes to infinity. The ratio goes to phi. I mean, oh, that way. Well, yes. Well, obviously, right? Because you're ever increasing your number yeah. and you have no bound on it. I know, it, so but you said it's the, obviously. Oh, that's you what you meant. That's what you meant. Sorry. Infinity. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm like, wait, am I just completely? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Well, the whole point of the golden ratio is taking ratios of terms. So you're basically taking the ratio of sides, of lengths, and stuff like that. So quick disclaimer to those of you that have probably or maybe not have heard of this term before. So the golden ratio is basically this number, which is basically a ratio of two of any two things where I don't even know if there's a solid definition for it, but it's basically to, to human eyes, it's aesthetically pleasing anything that follows that ratio. So let me give you the simplest example, the rule of thirds in a photograph, you know how you're supposed to be on one third of the photo, like that rule is from the golden ratio. Let me explain. So the golden ratio, I can give you like an example, and this is the example that I read off online, may make sense to some of you. We take a line segment and we cut it such that there's a long piece and there's a short piece. The ratio of the whole line segment to the long piece is the same as the ratio of the long piece to the shorter piece. And that ratio is the golden ratio. Mm -hmm. That number is the golden ratio. And this is seen everywhere. This can be seen in these examples. And interestingly enough, the very first 
again, I believe I could be wrong here, but I believe the very first true uh, use, at least to humanity, like really seeing it and really enjoying it, of the golden ratio was via Leonardo da Vinci in his art, in his paintings. He actually used, and I believe he's also the one that coined the, the phi, the Greek phi mm-hmm. term for that particular ratio mm-hmm. that basically described, again, just his details, his, again, I, not that I know anything about art, <laughs> but like his, his art conformed with the golden ratio, the size, the, what was, wh- what was where, the, the, the area that each, imp- the portions, exactly the area that each, you know, part of the, part of the painting takes all that good stuff conform with this ratio. So anyways, all of this to basically say the Fibonacci sequence, this random sequence is not actually that random. And it's actually pretty cool. And I wanted to bring out some really cool properties of such a sequence that I would, I would just, I would just reading these out and we Barker and I were like, wait, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Just to be explicit, by the way. Yes. The golden ratio is equal to it's one plus root five all divided by two. That's what it's equal to. Well, yeah, that's the formula. And it's actually got from the Fibonacci sequence. So you can actually derive it. You can get it from the Fibonacci sequence, the way that it's uh, the way that it's made. Because again, the whole point of the Fibonacci sequence is the ratio converges to. But how do you get to that number, though? Again, that's that's a math. That's a that's a very mathematical thing. But we can definitely do it. Right. I mean, why not? We can always have fun with that. So some cool things, some cool properties that I wanted to read out that I just that is read on this sequence. And anyways, if you if you're hearing for Fibonacci sequences for the very first time, you can maybe search it up or maybe just hear these properties out. So the sum of any ten consecutive Fibonacci numbers is divisible by eleven. Damn. <laughs> any ten. I just think that's cool. I just, that's a cool property. Then um, this is really cool. Two consecutive Fibonacci numbers do not have any common factor which means they are co-prime or relatively prime, close prime numbers, right? It doesn't have to be co-prime numbers, uh, but they're relatively close prime numbers. So that's also a cool thing. Um, this was really interesting as well. Again, I'm just reading it off of this page. You can definitely, I mean, for those viewers out there, you can definitely see me kind of, the sum of the first N Fibonacci numbers is equal to the Fibonacci number two further along the sequence minus one. Whoa. What that basically means is, if we're taking, well, let's say let's say n is five, so we're doing f one plus f two plus f three to five, so we're adding the first five Fibonacci numbers. That would, e- if you don't know what that equals, that simply equals f seven minus one. But that's so cool. I guess you'd have to know what so f seven cool. equals. Yeah, well, we would have to <laughs> exactly right. So you would have to know. So there's always some kind of thing with this because this is actually actually we didn't even talk about this. The one type of sequence or this type of sequence where it depends on the previous term. Mm -hmm. And this is a very, like these are very famous type of sequences, right? We're mainly used to the sequence that's kind of in terms of a function. Like you can write it F of X or F of N or something like that. But in a lot of these cases, Fibonacci sequence is an example. That's not the case. It's not really a function of anything, but well, I mean, it's a function of the previous terms in the sequence, you know, Mm -hmm. which is very, which is very different from what we're what we're generally used to right i think that was a main cool thing and obviously the golden ratio thing i mean that's i mean that's the whole point and the whole craziness of the fibonacci sequence and also just talking about you know how important this ratio is just with just with stuff we see in the world mm-hmm. right so i just wanted to put that out there because the fibonacci sequence is really cool and we're talking about sequences so if anyone wants to search it up go ahead yeah. want to let you guys know. also yeah. like one last thing yeah uh if you have like a piece of paper the the sides are golden ratioed if you take like the the big side or the small side divided by no sorry big side divided by the small side you get mm-hmm. the golden ratio and what that means is that if you fold the piece of paper in half it'll have the same dimensions like relative to the original piece of paper and you can do mm-hmm. that an infinite amount of times if you keep folding it it'll still have like short side or yep. big side divided by short side, you'll still get the golden ratio. Yeah. And this is that famous golden ratio thing. So again, whoever has heard of the term golden ratio has definitely seen that spiral. Yeah. So if you fold your piece of paper like that and unfold it and will connect the dots, you would get that spiral. 
Damn. <laughs> that's the whole point of it. And I, I just love how it's so beautiful because, again, the whole point of this is that it is, it is in fact, appearing a lot in nature, right? It just exists a lot. Now, there's definitely a reason. Do you know the reason? I don't know the reason, like the real reason. Why does... I don't. May, may, there definitely is. I am currently not aware of that reason. Um, but it would definitely be a, a very worth it Google search for... Or I don't even know if it can be done with one simple one, but definitely, you know, consecutive stuff. I don't know about, but, uh, uh, the, about the reason. Maybe there isn't. I don't think there's a reason. I think it's just I don't just think like, there is a reason. It's just, it's just I just think it, it is, is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. So, well, that was sequences. <laughs> we really... 45 minutes in, haven't started series. <laughs> All right. I mean, there's not get that much to now. say on series, but... Um, it, is a, it is a type of sequence. So, um, no. Okay, let's, <laughs> so let's, let's do it. So, continue, essentially, continue. first thing we got to know is sigma notation. Oh, yes. So, sigma notation, it, it just means that, you know, you have... You're ranging from some number to some number. And what you do is you add up all the terms. So, let's say... You're going from n equals 1 to 5, and you're summing up n. So what you're going to do is you're going to do 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5. So you're ranging through those indices. Um, how do we use sigma notation for series? Essentially what you do is what you plug into the summation is a sequence. So let's say we have a sequence a sub n, and that's equal to whatever, n squared. Then the series is going to be, well, you know, the interesting series are infinite series, which is where you go from some index all the way to infinity. Mm -hmm. And so when you sum an infinite amount of terms, obviously, the things that we're going to be looking for is convergence and divergence. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, I have a couple of things to say. And some of these things are very logical, if you think about Maybe it. Maybe explain convergence, divergence in terms of series, too. Yeah. That's a little It's very simple, different. very simple. So, if, simple but different, if a yeah. series converges, then it equals a number. Okay? If it diverges, then it goes to infinity. It goes to negative infinity or it oscillates. And how, how does it oscillate, you may ask? Well, for example, this is the, the famous oscillating case is, okay, so you have the, the summation from, let's say, n equals 1 to infinity. And your sequence that you're plugging in is minus 1, in parenthesis, to the power of n. So when n is mm. even, then you're adding one and when n is odd you're adding minus one or oh, you're subtracting exactly and so your series goes one zero one zero one zero one zero one zero so obviously your infinite or one series, negative one well a series is the summation right so if you start with one Oh, you're doing you one and zero. minus one yeah. only. Okay, okay. So the, I'm saying okay. the value of the of the series goes yeah, one, yeah, zero, yeah. one, zero. And so yeah. if you're summing this up infinitely, it doesn't converge to any number because it keeps alternating between one and zero. So that's mm -hmm. one case. And of course, you know, you can have infinity minus infinity. Uh, so converging or convergence is the thing that we look for yep. in series. Now, if you think about it for two seconds, <laughs> it's two should seconds, be, bro. It, I don't think anyone is thinking about anything in two seconds. <laughs> it should be quite obvious that in order for a series to converge, the sequence that you're summing up has to converge to zero. Because if you think about it, if it converges to anything other than zero, then the terms that you're adding an infinite amount of times are, you know, it doesn't matter if they're increasing or, de or decreasing, but you're adding something that's not zero an infinite amount of times. So the, the value just keeps growing, whether it be positive or negative, right? Let's say your sequence converges to three. 
eventually you're going to be adding numbers that are really close to three, but infinitely. <laughs> if you want your series to converge to an actual number, you need that, you know, when you get to a very high index, you're adding smaller and smaller amounts so that eventually you end up, as n goes to infinity, you actually end up with a value and it doesn't explode. Um, something really mm -hmm. interesting, though, about series is that you have something called conditional convergence, which Ooh, is very yes. confusing, right? Yes. You know how <laughs> I, just, I just said, you know, it could converge or it could diverge, you know, makes sense. It can equal a number or it could not equal a number. It could equal infinity, whatever. Mm -hmm. But conditional convergence is especially confusing because it makes so little sense <laughs> when you first learn it. And here's what it means. It me essentially, it means, okay, your series converges sometimes. That's literally what it means. For example, the harmonic series is conditionally convergent. Um, the harmonic series is 1 over n. So you're adding mm -hmm. one plus one half plus one third plus one quarter, so on. You mm -hmm. would expect at a glance, maybe this equals some number, right? Because you're adding numbers that are getting smaller and smaller. But it can actually be proven that it does not converge. But if you actually rearrange the order in which you add the terms it can converge, which is why we we say it's conditionally convergent. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. order, order is a big thing. Confusing. Very confusing. Def I know, I, I mean, I remember learning something. I mean, I remember learning this when we were doing this and it was not straightforward. It was not the obvious two second thing that we learned, unfortunately. But <laughs> it definitely... Um, gives you a little bit to think about because that convergence again just makes it a little more a little tighter but there are also tests in series to see if something were to converge or diverge right there are a lot of tests actually or we can maybe do the big ones right the bct the alternating and the integral test right am i missing anyone from the big three those are the big three right uh wait i just actually remembered Okay. But there's one thing that I didn't write down, but I'm pretty sure you have, like, there's no way you don't remember this. Um, it's, it's a test where you do like, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think I was thinking of the ratio test, but I feel like there's one that I'm missing, but I can't remember which one it is, but whatever. We'll just, uh, we'll just say these ones. We can just continue. Yeah. Yeah. We can just, we can just, I guess, sum up the big ones and because the, I mean, yeah, I don't remember any other one either maybe we can just start with these right maybe we can just start with these so the very first one is uh well we can start with a limit comparison test right the limit comparison test again just ways to test if these things are convergent divergent and again basically to see to conclude convergence and then with that convergence again we have all those properties that we can use Right. And that's, again, the main purpose. The main purpose is to test for this. And then we use those properties. So what is the limit comparison test? So it's super simple. Um, I'm just trying to see because we have a here just trying to fully get that explanation down. The whole point of the limit comparison test, right, is that you have you have these two sequences. You have F and you have G or technically you have series. You have two series. You have F, you have G. And you're, again, representing them as functions. The whole point of this is, again, you're representing these sequences as functions. And then with these functions, we already have, we already know some properties, some crazy things that we can, you know, fiddle around with these functions and figure some stuff out. So, well, what does it do? Very, very simple. So we make the sequence into a, again, we're using these function definitions again. We have these two sequences and we're basically saying, well, we're trying to compare them and we're trying to see, well, are these two sequences convergent or divergent, right? So this is a way to compare these two sequences. And let me explain the limit comparison test in the best way possible. We have two 
again, these functions, we're basically taking the limit as x approaches infinity of the quotient of these two functions. And what that gets us is again to see if one of them is blowing up or and the other is going to zero or the other blowing up one's going to, you know what I mean? So if, if any of that happens, that limit will not exist immediately, right? If G, if G goes to, if, if G blows up, that limit won't exist. If F blows up, that won't exist. If it goes to zero, that won't, you know what I mean? So if, oh, well, won't exist, I mean greater than zero. It must be greater than zero, which is again, the other stipulation, right? So if F goes to zero, this doesn't work either. So if the limit exists, and it is greater than zero, that's the whole, that's the whole comparison, then the, um, what am I trying to say? The series, both of the series are either both convergent or both divergent. That's a cool one right there. So we have two sequences. We put them together. We find the limit. We see if this limit of the sequences exist. If this limit actually exists and is greater than zero, then we can say that either both of them converge or both of them diverge. Now, an advantage of something or having something like this is given a particular sequence, if we, let's say, don't know if, let's say we have two sequences, we know one of them converges. We're like, hey, I'm not sure about this one. Limit comparison test. So we know one of them converges. So if we do this test and we get the fact that the limit is exists and is greater than zero and one of them converges we know that was a little too loud sorry <laughs> we know that the other one also converges it's the limit comparison test little complicated again but all of these tests are relatively a little on this side because again we're comparing sequences we're comparing all of these terms right so hopefully that made sense i think that did right let me know if i messed up anything i think that explanation was okay right parker yeah, I guess so. I got the nod. I got um, the nod. I'm okay with the nod. <laughs> I'm okay with the nod. So the next test LTT, is the one of them. Yeah. Basic comparison test, which is I think the Another. first one that you learn yeah. usually. Um I think yes, so I saw this now that it's before LCT. I probably should have just started with that, but you can yeah, maybe you can take over BCT. Yeah. So the basic comparison test is very intuitive and essentially all you're doing is you're finding another sequence so you have a you have a like a weird sequence that you're trying to test the convergence of and what you do is you have like reference points so you have simple sequences that you know the convergence of and you compare them so the only thing you need to know is which one is greater than which Mm -hmm. So let's say you have two sequences. The sequence you're looking for is bigger than a sequence you know. And the sequence you know, actually, when you sum up all the terms, diverges. So automatically, this means that the sequence you're looking for, or sorry, the series you're looking for, also diverges. Because if every term is bigger, then you're summing up more <laughs> than something mm -hmm. that already mm -hmm. diverges the same thing goes for convergence series so if you have a sequence that you know converges and a sequence that you're looking for uh that you're looking for the, the the value of the series right or the convergence of the series and it's the 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 sequence is always less than the one that you already know therefore the one you're looking for is also convergent because you're going to be adding less together than something you already know converges. So that's the basic comparison test. Or, I mean, the same thing goes for, um, oh, no, wait, I think, I think those are all the cases. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you covered them. Continuing on to different tests to test these things. Uh, Parker, you brought up the alternating series. And that is a common, common series that you see, right? When you have the negative plus negative plus. So you always, you basically have plus minus. So your signs are alternating. And in this scenario, as you very well explained, you basically just stick that minus one to the power of n there, depending on if the first term is positive or not, of course, be n, n plus one, whatever. 
and you're basically just adding them up. Now, for such an example, when we have minus one to the n, there are a lot of problems because you can't do anything with that. You can't really change that because it's always going to be alternating. So what do you do? Mm. You use the alternating series test. Very simple. The alternating series test basically takes that minus one, removes it, and does something with the rest. Puts it in the trash. And puts it in the trash, right? And whatever's remaining, we're basically testing that. So let's hope this makes sense. Oh, oh, by the way, a lot of these tests, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, all of these tests require... Do they require, because A has to be greater than zero, right? Like all of them have to be like, right? They all have to be positive. For, am I, am I for right? For some of them, not all of for them. For some of them, yeah. So, okay. So again, because we've just been kind of explaining it. Whoops. So we've been kind of going very calmly in this explanation and haven't d- done a lot of the rigorousness with the mathematics. Like, oh, the function should be technically from A to infinity. Like I didn't mention that. Has to be positive increasing. I didn't mention. So there are these small stipulations that obviously we're not mentioning just to keep the conversation kind of light, even though we are talking about a complicated scenario. But again, not getting into rigorous math because that would deter deter it quite a lot, right? So again, if you want to know more about any of these things, a very quick Google search would answer your questions. But again, this hopefully just gets that fundamentals, just that foundation down for you, hopefully. Right, anyway, so let's get to that alternating series test. So we have a series, we take out that minus one, throw it in the trash, and what we do is we test for three things. We see number one, are these elements greater than zero? That's our number one, right? If all of them are greater than zero, we then test, okay, is this sequence, I've remember, I've moved the, min- I've removed the minus one, is this sequence decreasing? Now this theory, I mean, not theory, this test only applies when this sequence that once taken out the minus one is decreasing, right? And again, all these tests have particular uh, particular elements of them. So like for example, and this is where a lot of these tests become useful. There's no restriction to the number of tests you can use on any particular sequence, right? So if let's say you have some prior knowledge of another sequence and you have some knowledge of this sequence, you can use multiple tests. You can use the BCT, and you can use the alternating series, or you can use the LCT and all, or whatever, right? The idea being that you can use multiple tests to test for this. And this is just a one particular scenario. So in this particular scenario, BN, or our sequence, removing the minus one, must be decreasing. And the final third last thing is that, as Parker, as you mentioned, and this is a categorical, this has to be true, the limit of the sequence itself is zero. This is true for any series that converges, right? Because otherwise, as you very well explained, you're just adding finite numbers forever. So that's that's, that's not going to work. And if all of these three uh, tests or if all of these three conditions hold, then we can say that the alternating series is convergent. Now, again, the math is there. It's all there. We're just going through it just to get just that foundation down, mm-hmm. right? So that's another type of test. There is also the integral test, but I was reading it and I'm like, it's quite specific. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can kind of use BCT, LCT in there as well. Yeah. So we don't really have to go over that. But uh, any other tests or anything that we're missing? Uh, anything we want to get? There is the ratio test, but I think that one's a little bit complicated to explain. <laughs> um, yeah, it's all about how like visual aid also helps. Yeah, but sure. again, this is a podcast, right? So we are trying to... Uh, we are trying to keep it like that, right? So I think that's uh, about everything, to be honest. Let us know if you have any questions mm-hmm. on sequences or series. Also, let us know if you have any recommendations for things that you want us to talk about because we don't have ideas. So please send us some ideas. <laughs> I love that. We just don't have ideas. I mean, <laughs> no, we are always loving loving people when they send us ideas right because we 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 get fueled by ideas right the more ideas we have the more we can put down the more stuff for the future right so we would love ideas and i would highly recommend if you do have instagram to use instagram if you want to send us an idea because even though we do read our emails i don't know we're just lazy man. we just don't reply to them sometimes (laughs) like our instagram is just a text on our phone Emails, sometimes we have to sit down, think about them because they're long and thought out, right? So that's good. We love them. We love receiving them. Continue. 
but it's just that it, it takes longer. So if you do have a suggestion or if you want to add anything, anything like that, make sure to DM us, mathophysics.podcast, because that's usually our quickest way to respond. All right. Yeah. So I guess that's everything we had to say. Please leave a follow wherever mm-hmm. you're listening to this, whether it be Spotify, Google Play, or YouTube. Uh, make sure to subscribe and leave a comment and leave a like. We didn't do types of series though. I think we should make a. <laughs> I think we should no. I think we should make a set. I would definitely make yeah, a part sure. two because we definitely need a part two where we talk about that test. The ratio test is a fundamental test, and then talking about power series, Taylor series, McLaren series, Geometric. different types of these geometric series, sequ- even sequences there. So we can maybe dive a little bit deeper into a part two. This, yeah, we didn't cover everything. We never do. In a part one of any episode, we never cover everything. We just got those basics down. So hopefully that made sense. And as you very well said, hit us up anywhere you want. Comment, leave a comment on YouTube, leave that like, smash that button. And yeah, that's the episode. This has been episode number 73 of the Math and Physics podcast. I am your host, Parker. And I am Ray. And we will see you soon. Bye, guys.